Okay, welcome to another episode of Patiently. So on this episode, we'll be talking to Sarah Bassett. Sarah and her husband, Paul, have been longtime friends of mine. Um, Sarah is 35, a buyer for a Cornish clothing company, and has been with Paul for 18 years. Um, they have two cats. She enjoys driving far too fast, loves exotic holidays, and started trying for a baby in 2016. Sarah, thank you for the time to come and talk to me. No worries. I know evenings are tiring now, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. I um, didn't catch the beginning of the introduction. That went dead. Did you oh, mention did pregnancy? Yeah. Uh, I, I just had a quick, a quick, a, a brief intro, um, yeah. but um, look, it should have caught it. It might just be signal your side. Um, I'll have a listen afterwards, and if it's no good, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll redo it and, and add it on. Um, but look, just the one thing that I wanted to ask, and it's trying to have the, the, the listener in mind a little bit, but when Paul sent me that text with uh, trying to tell me that he's going to be a father which was very confusing to me the way he did it um and then you know we had a few conversations and then i saw paul when we were out and he'd exp i mean it wasn't quite as clear to me I, I must have missed the instagram post until i saw paul that night um, yeah. you know the crikey you guys have had like one hell of a time and the first question that really came to my mind that i just yeah thought i'd leave it for another time was how how long were you guys trying before maybe you or he were sort of saying, well, you know, surely something should have happened by now? Yeah. Um, so you have to try for a year before any of the medical profession will take you seriously. I think um, after about six months, you start to think, well, hang on a sec. Everything that I was told in school was that one wrong move would signal disaster. Yeah. Um, and actually after six months, I was like, this isn't right. Um, I think I probably had a routine doctor's appointment anyway for something else and mentioned it to the doctor who of course just says, oh, just keep trying. These things can take a year, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I just had a feeling that something wasn't right. So it was after that kind of year point yeah. Um, yeah. that I really started pushing for something to be done. Um, it very much depends on the doctor that you that you get. Um, I was quite lucky. I saw a female doctor and she completely understood what I was saying and my concerns. And we started... Um, you know, going down the route of tests and what have you. However, you know, I've spoken to other people who've been made to wait two years before they've been taken seriously on that. Are um, they in different areas of the country or are they same area, just different doctor? Nope, same area, different doctor. Um, it's some, you know, because Paul's a year older than me, they saw um, he just kind of fell into the right kind of age bracket. He was 35 at that point, I think. Yeah. Um, so they start to take you a bit more seriously at 35 and thankfully kind of Paul fell into that category. But okay. um, yeah, it, it just depends on the doctor you get, I think, to be honest. Crikey. So, so you, you got a year done and then, and then they were sort of saying, you know, now you can come and have conversations 
and test yeah. and so on. And how long was that process before before they were like, look, here here's the problem? Um, so let me think. So we started August 2016. I'd say it was kind of August 2017 when I started pushing for tests. Yeah. Um, the tests that we had, obviously Paul had um, some tests. I had some tests. Um, it came back pretty clearly what was likely to be the issue Mm. um however they are there's quite a few that they like to do so those went on probably until the february of 2018 i'd say um some more pleasant than others yeah as you can imagine um particularly for me there's a few kind of more unpleasant ones which involve quite a large group of people um having a a good route around um whereas for for men it's you know it's a lot easier um so yeah i'd say that went on probably for a good six months i'd say um it's a long time for you guys to be going through i assume you would maybe were you trying at the same time kind of hoping that we can call all this off yeah absolutely that's something that's constantly going on and i think you know that's something i've said to you before is the waiting is just the worst part of um whether you're trying it's it's the unknown and it's also um whether you're trying naturally or whether you're going through ivf or icsi or you know whatever iui's um there's so much waiting whether you're waiting to see a consultant or you're waiting for tests or test results or drugs to be delivered or um egg collection or whatever Mm. just the whole thing is just an endless game of improving your patients because it just drags on yeah crikey i mean i when i when i read your post i was going through it and i just i just I was like, I cannot believe, like, and that—that was the other side of it. That you guys have come through it now. That you know you are pregnant. Yeah. And, and you made an announcement, as nearly everyone does on social media, with a little bit of a story of some sort. Yeah. But it—it it wasn't. How many people did you talk to about this throughout the process? I mean, I gather you really didn't let many friends or family in on the subject. Is no. That- no, I think the thing with letting people know is bec- once you let them know of what's going on, then they constantly want an update. Uh, and if it's a good update and you want to be talking about it, then that's great. But the odds are against you. And when you've been unsuccessful or something hasn't gone the way you hoped, then updating endless people is just the most exhausting thing and salt into a wound i guess to be it literally is that's why at the beginning i said to you did you mention about my pregnancy because um actually that was something i probably wouldn't have mentioned myself because pregnant people when you're desperately trying for a baby are just the most irritating people in the world you know you should be happy for them but (laughs) you you really can't you really hate them (laughs) <laughs> yeah no I, I mean it's it's funny the you know there's perspectives in life that you just sometimes like you're never even remotely familiar with until 
until you're you know presented with the journey you've been through and I literally I had my head in my hand just before I went out with your husband just thinking Christ yeah you know obviously I was not even aware and I can't believe you know that and the length of time and the emotions involved um, I mean, was there much cost involved? Obviously, there was NHS play in this in yeah, yeah. large bit, but I'm sure there was some cost, wasn't there? No, we've been incredibly fortunate. Um, well, the NICE guidelines um, say that everyone under the age of 40 should get three free goes on the NHS mm. however um, that isn't the case there's only I think about 12% of NHS trusts which do offer the full three goes um, Devon and Cornwall where we are they offer one go um, whereas if you lived in Manchester you get three if you lived in um, the Peterborough Cambridge kind of areas you don't get anything free on the NHS you have to pay for it okay. um, so as I say we've had one free go which um, if you're lucky enough to have any embryos frozen you yeah. also get one frozen go so we've had one fresh and one frozen go yeah. um, and been fortunate enough to conceive on both cycles um, obviously the first cycle for us ended in miscarriage which is just absolutely devastating but in terms of that, Sarah. it's just like <laughs> yeah just it's a real um it has a real sting in the tail obviously with IVF I mean miscarriage is devastating for any couple but yeah. for me the IVF was just that extra sting because you're not only um, you're not only grieving for the baby you've lost, but also for the process and knowing that you've got to go through all of that again yeah. from the beginning. Um, but in terms of cost, back to your question, no, we've not had to um, outlay anything because we have been so fortunate in terms of our, our odds and our percentages. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting through it now and everyone's aware and, you know, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're getting getting into you know the second part of the whammy, which is just pregnancy, full stop, rather <laughs> than you know the IVF part of it. Uh, if there was someone that you were, you know, happened to bump into, or you're talking to, maybe even listening to this, that was where you were six months in trying, and they're starting mm. to get worried and a bit panicky mm. and and all of this, what? what would be some of your sage advice what would you help them get a perspective on or prepare them for um so if they've been trying for six months naturally it would it would depend on their age if you're um you know around 30 a woman around 35 i'd start pressuring your doctor um to get those tests done because i think there's a certain amount of intuition in this mm. um I felt there was something wrong. I was right. And I felt there was something wrong probably four or five months in. Mm. Um, but as I say, we've had to wait for that year. Um, I mean, that there's the age old thing, isn't there, of just relax. Um, I could just flip and punch people when they yeah. say that. Because it's just give it time. Give it time. Yeah, give it time. Go on a holiday. Just relax. Mm. Um, yeah no that is not that's not helpful advice although to an extent that does apply with IVF but um that's a that's a whole other 
conversation in terms of um, becoming obsessive over your protocols and your schedules and what have you. But um, yeah, I just say go with your go with your gut, go with your intuition. If you think something's wrong, then you know start pushing, start pushing for answers. And you said you mentioned that um, to, you know, just some questions I had. Just you know, stay away yeah. from Doctor Google. Um, yeah. You know, did you find massive conflictions or really bad advice or what was going on there? Um, the thing with Doctor Google is, well, personally, I can. Um, comfortably work myself up into a frenzy of anxiety through a visit to google for whatever topic i think a lot of people do that yeah um one of a good example is um one of the tests i had it's called an hsg um reasonably invasive test that they do um and thankfully i hadn't stumbled onto dr google for that one because i if i had i would have been absolutely petrified of what i was going to encounter um the descriptions of it on the on mum's net or on you know whatever these forums was just horrendous and either way it was something i needed to have done and actually it was fine not desperately comfortable but it was absolutely fine however if you gone into it having read what was on the internet um you would be petrified and it's just no benefit you don't gain anything from from these chat rooms and i'm a complete hypocrite in saying that um because if i if i get up my you know my search engine there is all kinds of stuff on there about the things that are making me anxious at the moment at 22 weeks pregnant so i am a complete hypocrite but you know that is a, a well, key trying to help someone going through the same story and just saying hey look you know just take this yeah result isn't it really absolutely yeah no my anxieties uh you know are pretty right to be honest but yeah um if someone else isn't quite as um crazed as me then they might manage to stay off google and just go with go with what's on the nhs go with what's in in a book or something you know half sensible, more, but uh, what would you call it authoritative oh, maybe you know exactly you know, yeah. I mean, did, 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 did the nurses and doctors manage your expectations a little bit with right we're going to do this first then this and then there's this thing that if you read online you're going to get worried about but this is what it actually is so le- read this like did you get any of that no, the information is reasonably limited. Um, each test or each procedure comes usually with a leaflet, um, which I think is probably why people are driven to the internet to find out a bit a bit more. Yeah. Um, there's only so much you can glean from an A4 piece of paper about, you know, whatever procedure it is you're having done, and in terms of why um, yeah, yeah. and how that it's not necessarily answered. Okay. okay. And then you mentioned that you can prepare yourself with physical elements. Mm-hmm. But how you can't predict how each different person is going to react to each situation. So it's actually quite difficult to plan that. No, absolutely. Um, in terms of... Um, so as I say, they give you, I mean, there are leaflets. They do give you a certain amount of information about as you enter into the IVF process and 
um, you start taking whatever drugs you're likely or you might encounter, um, you know, you might encounter sickness or dizziness or bloating or bruising from the injection sites or, you know, whatever. And yeah, that's great that you're being told about that. But actually what isn't covered is um, how you how you will be feeling about the process, whether you're feeling overwhelmed or as I say, I, you know, suffer greatly from anxiety mm. or um, the drugs themselves, what they will do to your emotional state. So there was one particular drug that um, when I was taking it and it, I didn't really clock it at the time, but actually looking back, it made a lot of sense. Once I'd spoken to a friend um, who was on the same journey, um, a particular drug that when I was taking it, I was extremely depressed and extremely negative and pessimistic about the whole yeah. process, yeah. which um, when it's a stressful process anyway, and you know, you've, you're feeling anxious or you're feeling that kind of rising panic about time slipping away from you, a drug that exacerbates that issue is not a great thing to be taking. Yeah. Um, and it was only really when I came off that drug and, drug and as I say, spoke to my friend um, Flick, she was like, oh my God, that drug, I was just horrendous on it. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. It was that one. Um, and if that had been highlighted, I think you'd be much better placed to understand what you're feeling and why you're feeling that. Yeah. Um, and also you might be able to actually balance out what's going on in your head if you're told this could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Which might allow you to see through the drug to, for, for the greater good, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. If you thought, oh, this drug, which you take for three weeks, is going to make me really depressed. Okay, I can handle that. We've just got to push on through. Mm. And it is we, not I. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. from Paul's perspective, if he knew that that drug was going to make me depressed for three weeks then he'd be able to support me better rather than thinking, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then when you, you know, obviously the, there's, there's a couple want a baby to, to grow a family and, and have those great experiences in the future. And whilst you're doing this process and, and going through IVF, how's Paul with it all I mean uh, what was there for him in this I mean obviously he was doing the best he could for you but at the same time you know he's part of the equation and it's um yeah I mean from your perspective how is he doing um from so Paul it would be interesting for you to talk to Paul actually to get his perspective yeah right Um, and it's almost kind of telling that you're speaking to me and not to Paul, because that's something that he's found the whole way along Ah, in that, um, (laughs) in that, um, the the man is completely ignored through the whole process, um, through consultants. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just, I just, I just can't believe that I basically just walked straight into that one. (laughs) (laughs) through like consultants appointments the Mm. test Paul's role in this process is really minimal um you know he's his entirety of this role was spending a few minutes in a a rather dingy room with some rather suspect magazines (laughs) whereas whereas, he didn't get any help then (laughs) whereas for me 
you know, the, the entire focus of IVF, whether the issue is, uh, you know, male issue or female, you know, the drugs, the everything else, it's up to the woman to do it. So from Paul's perspective, he's felt incredibly um, isolated and left out of the whole process. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd suggest you talk to him on that side. Well, I'll, be, I'll send a message in a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think, but again, you know, in all honesty, I, I, I mean, there's going to be a huge amount of value for that because, um, you know, for other for other people going through the process that that he's gone through just to you know what would he advise others well i will i will you know definitely have a have a similar sort of conversation with him on it so um, <laughs> paul if you're listening i apologize and sorry <laughs> if he's not tell him um uh, i will talk to him <laughs> no he's not here he's no. uh, he's a football oh okay um now uh, i think you've probably got a few statistics under your belt, which um, you've been confronted with through the journey. Yeah, absolutely. What's what's the sh- most shocking one? Um, well, I think the most shocking one for someone entering into the IVF process um, is the the success statistics. Mm. Um, so, if you're under thirty five, then I mean people vary on this but it's around 35 percent chance of it being successful um and as as you get older that rather horrible percentage decreases so when i hit 35 in may um i had a, a mini kind of meltdown because that meant my percentage went down by like three to four percent so we were down to like a 31 percent or from 35% chance of it working to maybe a 31% chance of it working. And by the time you hit 40, I think you're down to, it's about a 10% chance they like to tell you of success with an IVF cycle. Mm. Um, For me, having been through it, and as I say, having researched extensively, the thing that bothers me about the percentages is they don't take into account an individual circumstance. Right. So that's a really a sweeping statement yeah. of success. It doesn't take into account whether the issue is male factor or female factor yeah. or just simply unexplained infertility. Mm. Um, and in my mind, I don't know whether, you know, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. But um, for me, a female factor issue, I would imagine, has less of a success rate than male. I don't know. But you know, I was really interested to have that percentage broken down and I've never been able to get that. No one's ever been able to provide me with that information. Um, so as I say, when you look at our percentage at 100% success, when actually we should have been at 35, right. um, that is when I say we've actually been incredibly fortunate yeah. Um, yeah. to have the, the success that we have because it's not a given. And I think when people go into the process, assuming that they're going to get a baby at the end of it, that's, that's not, that's not the way to look at it. And the NHS is quite pessimistic in the way that they treat IVF. They say it's, you have to treat it as a, as a, as a course of treatment of three treatments, ideally. Mm. So they're not expecting it to work and they set you up going into that 
not so that, so that you don't expect it to work and again obviously that adds to the pessimism that you're already feeling and the drugs and the whatever else so it is quite a negative yeah but thing. i mean i mean i are you grateful for that pessimistic view given your outcome yeah absolutely because and do you think that's the right like view to give people going into ibf to give them that view of the future and set the bar a lot lower yeah i think you have to be realistic yeah i mean um there there's a lady who um i'm aware of through a friend of a friend who she's just had her fresh treat a uh, fresh cycle she's um you know she's had that horrendous two-week wait and in her mind she was pregnant she was absolutely determined that she's had a fresh cycle it's worked definitely pregnant she told an awful lot of people that um you know about their treatment and what have you and in her heart she thought it had worked and it didn't mm. um you know she got that negative result so it it was absolutely soul destroying for her apps because she had just created this this fantasy in her mind that yeah it, it had 100% worked and the fact that it hadn't was just awful um, yeah i mean that it kind of leads to that other uh, uh, other point of mental health i mean it's quite yes. right at the moment just for everything i mean in the workplace at home children and but uh, you know how much of a focus was there on the psychological aspect of this have you guys been offered any counseling of any sort or <laughs> well you're offered one session on the nhs which you know i don't feel like you can cover a huge amount in one session no. to be honest yeah <laughs> maybe they're just testing the water to see how much someone <laughs> needs it and uh, maybe yeah. i don't know yeah. um, but no mental health isn't really a focus and as i said i think it should be because there's so much emotion that goes into it the emotion that, that that's there anyway the the anxiety about not conceiving naturally um for me there was kind of this sense of rising panic that you know I was 32 when we started this I'm 35 now you know you only have a certain amount of time to to make this happen mm. and the sense of time slipping away from you does does kind of cause this sense yeah. of fear and panic and when you combine that with um as i say the the effects of the drugs and what have you then in terms of your mental health it it can deteriorate really quite rapidly and um if i look back on my instagram there's a post that says um i and this was while while i was taking you know some of the drugs it was ivf is both the cause and the cure of my um diminishing mental health and that that really is how i feel about it because it's it's this kind of love hate relationship with it yeah it's just yeah i'm i'm trying i'm just trying to wrap my head around it a little bit it's um it it's not an easy thing to to get one's head around is it really no absolutely not and um, yeah i think the, there's a huge benefit in finding someone who you can talk to about it. Um, I, as you know, I have a separate Instagram page that I use um, that I set up when we first started having tests, and it was, it's quite. I find 
charting our journey quite cathartic to look back at um, where we've been, um, particularly when progress can be so slow. It, yeah, yeah, it, it's good to see yeah. where you've been. Um, and it was a public, you know, it's a public thing. I've, I've always shared it. And through that, I got chatting to a woman who is in the same kind of situation as me and we really hit it off. And it turned out that actually she lives um, five miles away from me. Um, That's so I know it's great. Yeah. I know the chances. I know it's ridiculous. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, just to be able to have someone to have that conversation with, and um, uh, yeah, just oh, yeah. You, you too, you know. Yeah, it's been great to have her, and we've both found it. You know, we've absolutely clicked. We're on, you know, the completely the same wavelength, and to have someone who knows exactly what you're talking about, yeah. who you can talk about the drugs to, or the weird side effects, you know, I know more about her than anyone I know. She probably knows more about me than Paul does in terms of emotional and, you know, that kind of thing, because she completely gets it. Yeah. Um, whereas, yes, you can talk to a close friend. I'd spoken to a close friend about IVF, but, you know, she conceived her daughter naturally and easily and with the best will in the world she cannot understand um you know what you're going through um so if it was if i was talking to someone who was starting out on this journey i would you know there's a massive community on instagram of um <laughs> ivf warriors right. um there's so many hash like the hashtags and it's just such a supportive community yeah yeah exactly the support i've found from that community in terms of ivf but also in terms of miscarriage there's just i'm i'm constantly bowled over by the women on instagram but if that's not your thing there's you know there's groups there's you know there there is support out there but you do have to go look for it so that, that's something that the nhs could actually bring to the table which is just you know helping people going through the same thing at the same point through the same journey, just yeah, being able absolutely. to have a conversation with each other. And, you know, um, I mean, it, really now it should be very easy, you know, something like Facebook, they could create a private group and yep. call them, you know, quarter four, 2016. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, um, it's like anything, isn't it? Like um, an NCT group for a, you know, for pregnant women, you know, half of that is, yeah, you're learning about what's going on, but also ultimately you're, you're making friends. Mm. Um, it's the same thing, having that group of people that you can share stories with. And as I say, some of the things I know about, about my friend Felicity, I don't know that kind of information about any of my friends. I wouldn't yeah. want to know it, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it is quite a, you know, a special connection we have and you know we are we're both incredibly thankful that she's pregnant i'm pregnant and you know it's our kind of bonds continues <laughs> well, yeah and yeah and um yeah the support continues as well doesn't it yeah exactly and that's what you, you talked a lot about and yeah. um, i know you mentioned as well just with on the support side of things is is um 
talking to your partner. I mean, obviously people might think that's a silly thing, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, I think communication is taken for granted and not enough people put enough effort into actually listening and really trying to understand the other person. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of assumptions going on. Did, did you guys feel that your communication improved through this or did you kind of have to draw each other out of holes occasionally? Um, I would say that um, our communication probably has improved and Paul, bless him, has tried to understand and tried to be involved. But it's hard, isn't it? When, when you're injecting drugs into your leg, mm. um, for him to, yeah, there's a physical aspect or whatever, and he can see that and he can support you through that if it's a, a painful physical process. But emotionally, as I say, I think it is hard for your partner to understand mm. what you're going through. So all your partner can really do is just su- support you as best you as best they can through it. Yeah. Um, and was there we, anywhere online that you felt that you both could actually get reasonably good uh, insights or advice from through those times that... Um, you were going through that like if anyone was listening that you thought well you know go here because i found this brilliant you might not but is there anything that you might suggest there there's a book i'd recommend um that's worth reading um the ivf survival guide um which is written from a couple's perspective so there's a woman's perspective and a man's perspective Okay. Um, I found it incredibly funny. The woman is brilliant. She there's an awful lot of information in there, but it's it's written uh, quite lightheartedly, and I found that a really useful book. Um, the guy, um, Paul, found him a bit of a wetter, um, to be what, honest. Hang, but what's a wetter like? <sighs> he he needs to. I hate the term man up, but oh right, okay. So he, he's, he's soft might be yeah yeah he was a bit hopeless but there are some points in there from a man's perspective that that were kind of useful um overall a good book to read because there is quite a lot of information in there and also in the back of that book which is incredibly useful is a list of questions to ask your consultant when you go um for your first ivf um appointment yeah it's questions that there is no way you would think to ask those yeah, and yeah. actually yeah it's a really good list oh, yeah I, I just um uh, before talking to you i was thinking through you know kerry and i having um charlie when we had him you know four and a half years ago mm. um, and my role within the pregnancy you know i mean it's there is a heavy focus on on mum and baby, but yeah. one thing that I I found useful and helpful, and I don't know if you even considered it, but it it helped give me a role in the pregnancy was, and and some people are totally against this, and there's some people that really don't agree with it, but it was hypnobirthing. Have you heard of that? Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm personally I'm all for Paul getting involved. Yeah, as long as the uh, stays up the head end yeah. 
Paul would certainly want to stay at the head end. <laughs> well, the thing <laughs> I found with hypnobirthing was it gave me A, an education, yeah. B, a role, and yeah. C, things to do. Even yeah. like on the day when we were there, I mean, you know, it taught you as well that you can have a preference list, but if there's something that doesn't go to plan like it did for us, um, mm -hmm. then you basically have to let the doctors do what they're, they're there to do. But um, yeah. uh, it, it really gave me a, a really good handle of exactly what's going on with a woman's body when she's going through labor. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it actually drew, drew me into the process a little bit, which that, that helped me. I don't know whether that would be something Paul would be. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, from his perspective through IVF, having not been involved in the process, yeah. um, I think anything that involves him is important. And yeah. he certainly um, upped his game in terms of involvement. I mean, he, he has surprised me. Um, having started this process saying that the whole thing was my cockamamie idea to um, say that again <laughs> so IVF Paul has always thought um, is a huge kind of he's always worried about the strain of it right. on me yeah. and if he had his choice, he wouldn't have gone down that route. He probably would have gone down the adoption route or right. Um, right. what have right. you. Whereas um, certainly from a woman's perspective that I wanted to try yeah. IVF first yeah. because it's, it's not about necessarily having a child. It's yeah. about having our child. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of been a running joke that that this is my cockamamie idea. Um, whereas now, yeah, he is a lot more supportive and is really kind of getting into the pregnancy side of things and kind of softening a bit and talking about things and listening to the various complaints that I have. And, <laughs> you know, you know, Paul, he's, yeah, he's yeah. not really one for sharing emotions. No, no, he's... Uh... Well, it's looking like guys. They have their they have their moments that they'll uh, they'll have their uh, you know few beers and then a glimmer of something opens up and and then uh, and then old squirrel you know is <laughs> takes the attention away and uh, subject moves on. Um, so really, I guess to I mean there is no summise of it really, but anyone listening that's about to go through the journey is you know mm. is the ideal person listening to this is to say that the process you go through it's the process that's the hard part it's the waiting for everyone else to 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 come to you and answer your problems and yeah absolutely the waiting is the hardest part. preparation plan or something yeah the waiting is the hardest part and that is not focused on at all i mean the period um the two-week wait um from when you do your transfer to doing that pregnancy test is just the longest two weeks of your life it just because you're counting down to it and it's just hideous but yeah the whole process is it is a massive exercise in improving your patience and um that's the thing with that kind of just relax point is when you're trying naturally that's really not a helpful thing to say however with IVF I'd say 
that is actually really important because um, to an extent you've just got to let it wash over you and just not forget about it but you can just torture yourself um, with the waiting um, so yeah it is what it is there's a girl on her way so we look forward to meeting her <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll arrange to uh, have a conversation with your husband uh, that'll be interesting uh, <laughs> well I mean he is insulted that you didn't want to speak to him <laughs> I thought he was this <laughs> tough tough man that he keeps telling us all <laughs> no you might have bent your bridge there Oh, uh, bridges to build of course <laughs> all right then well um i'll say thank you sarah and bid you good night um, <laughs> no. and um if anyone else listening to this podcast at the moment would like to follow um sarah's um instagram uh, i think it's the good underscore the bad underscore and the baby is that correct yeah, that's right. That's right. Excellent. And if anyone listening does want to um, have a, a conversation with me on, on this subject, whether it's UK based or um, around the subject of medical travel involving this, um, then um, please do contact us after um, and below. Thanks.